0: Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so happy that you're here today because God's word is going to build you up so that you can do everything that he has called you to do and so that you can become the person that he has called you to become. Praise God. Now, today we're going to receive the tithes and offerings. Let's go to Malachi chapter 3, and I want to ask you a question. Here's the question. What makes financial champions in God's kingdom today? My friends, the answer to that is simply covenant practice. Covenant practice. If you saw somebody that had developed themselves in the area of physical strength you would have to understand they have been practicing or exercising in that area. So we can't attribute it to luck or chance, or they were just born into it. No, it all revolves around becoming a financial champion revolves around covenant, excuse me, covenant practice. And there are things that we need to know about God in essence, that God cannot change. We see this Malachi chapter three verse seven. We see the consistency of God yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them return to me and I will return to you says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Well, a man robbed God yet you have robbed me. But you say, "In what way have we robbed you in tithes and offerings. My friends, God does not change until we return to the Lord in obedience. Then our financial glory cannot be restored. That's very important. God doesn't change. We must return back to the Lord and that re- that includes returning to him in a biblical way. And until we, we return our financial glory cannot be restored. Every truth of scripture is valid for all time. Say amen. Praise God. Now, I want to say very clearly that wealth is included in your redemptive package that Christ purchased for you through his death, burial, and resurrection. We see it very clearly in the new covenant, for example, in the book of Second Corinthians, let me turn back over there. Second Corinthians chapter eight and verse nine, for, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich yet for your sakes, for your sake, he became poor that you through his poverty might become rich. Praise God. Now, how do you get into the riches that Jesus has made available for you. Well, the way to these riches and the way to wealth is covenant practice. God's prosperity plan. I want you to understand God's prosperity plan for you is based on a covenant. And until you play your part, God is not committed. Some of you are hearing this for the very first time and you have been in the body of Christ for years And nobody ever told you this. You thought that maybe you could just pray your way into it. Well, that's like the person that got real strong. And that's like looking at them and saying they prayed themselves into that position. No, these kingdom laws work in specific areas. Praise God. So this is not necessarily about prayer. This is about covenant exercise. Again, God's prosperity plan is a covenant. And until you play your part, God is not committed. Now, let me share something fascinating from the book of Malachi. Let's turn back over there just for a moment. In Malachi chapter 11, we actually see that tithing secures your destiny. This is very important. Look at verse 11. God said that uh, concerning those that, that honor him with the tithe and offering, he said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field says the Lord of hosts. tithing just stops all of the ups and downs that center around financial uncertainty tithing. Literally hear me today. It stabilizes your destiny. It rebukes. God rebukes the devourer. Woo, praise God. So, tithing stabilizes your destiny, it preserves it. If you are not a tither, the returns on all your other givings, watch out, they're vulnerable because the devil sti- uh, is, uh, is a thief. He, he is designed through his fallen nature to steal, kill, and destroy. And all of the agencies underneath his control, they do these things to try to dissolve and eat away, even on what would be your destiny. But my friends, tithing secures and stabilizes your destiny. So as God is blessing you In various ways, as you're sowing seed, make sure that you always continue to give the Lord Jesus the tithe. Now, speaking about the tithe, whether you mail it in, or as many of you prefer to do with the modern on-day convenience of going online and clicking the button and sending the tithe in online, you have to understand that while the giving does come into the ministry... And it's processed, whether it comes in through an envelope and the check is taken out or whether it comes in online and uh, and then it's deposited into the banking system. And then it's uh, applied in the work of the ministry of expanding the kingdom. You have to understand that while the man touches it or those involved in the processing of it touch it, you have to understand Jesus is the one, though, not me. Jesus is the one that's receiving your tithe. And this is clearly explained in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews, chapter 7. Please look at this with me in verse 8. Hebrews 7, verse 8. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Pastor Stephen, I'm sending my tithe in to your ministry. Pastor Stephen, receive the tithe. I received the tithes, but you have to understand that in essence, the one who is actually literally receiving them is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. So the moment you mail that tithe out or the moment that you send that tithe in, yes, here, mortal men do receive tithes, but it's the Lord in heaven. And this is extremely important. Who is receiving your tithe? And yes, according to the Holy Bible, he's still receiving tithes today because he is the high priest of our faith. Woo. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Now we also see in Malachi chapter three, And in verse 10, let's turn back over there. Malachi 3, verse 10, that when we tithe, God opens the windows of heaven. Verse 10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out. Now, the pouring out is not in essence where you walk outside outside and clouds move back, and then rain starts falling on your head. Rather, this window of heaven being opened and the pouring out is the rain of the Holy Spirit. Rain in the Old Testament was consistently a symbol for the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit rains upon you, falls upon you, you will always have fresh ideas. You will always have fresh anointing. You will always know what to do. Why? Because you're under a continual uh, open heaven. You're under a continual open window. You know, Mr. J.C. Penny, who found that the uh, very large and successful, uh, you know, chain retail store, J.C. Penny that many of us have shopped in, he was a very, very consistent tither. And his business became more profitable, more successful, and all of those years he was a tither. And then one day he thought, you know, I don't really know if I really need to keep doing this. You know, I've done all of this tithing, and yes, I have obviously have seen God's hand in my life and great financial increase, but I don't really. And so he stopped tithing. And the moment he said that he stopped tithing, everything started getting real shaky. And suddenly there was all kinds of interruptions in the finances, but also his ability, his ability to get these ideas, uh, they, they were not flowing. So what did he do? He made a decision as he was looking at the books and the financial stats. He made a decision. Oh, I have made a mistake. I'm getting back onto tithing. Praise the Lord. My friends. Jesus is ready to receive your tithe today. And when you tithe, say, Jesus, this is for you. You are going to touch my tithe because there in heaven, he receives them. Praise God. Now, we also know that every kingdom project is our opportunity to go to the next level of of prosperity. I like Haggai, uh, the book of Haggai chapter one. We all like Haggai chapter two, where it talks about the silver and gold belonging to the Lord. But look at this in Haggai chapter one verse nine, where the prophet says, you looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, God says, I blew it away. Why says the Lord of hosts, because of my house, that is in ruins while every one of you runs to his own house. Again, every kingdom project, such here uh, as being mentioned, the rebuilding of the temple, every kingdom project is our opportunity to go to the next level of prosperity. It's not God's opportunity. Yes, God wants us to give so that we can take God to a new level. <laughs> No, that's craziness. God, uh, God is already at the ultimate level. He is God. It's not like we're trying to fund his kingdom because we can't only God can supply it because uh, uh, this is not something like, well, if we can just get Elon Musk saved and get Bill Gates saved and then finally get them to give, then God can finally, he can finally have his kingdom. No, no, no. It doesn't work like that. No, God's not dependent upon any man. God walks on streets of gold. God is in a totally different category and realm. God oversees the entire universe. And so we cannot be thinking, well, we're the ones that are footing the bill for God. No, no, no. All of these things are for us. They're not for God. God doesn't need it. He's in a realm of uh, uh, opulent glory beyond comprehension. These things are for us, for our security of our uh, callings and assignments and destinies and for our lifting so that we can go to the next level. Mm -mm. Now, let me say this by building God's house, God enlarges our borders, any special project that this ministry has ever taken And also including the ones that will be in the future at some time, whether it was the one that we just had with Passover, where we had the pure gold Passover offering. Yes, my wife and I participated in that as well. Nobody has asked me about that, but I just want to say that I'm not somebody that's saying, give and may the Lord bless you. No, my wife and I are giving, not because I'm trying to fund the ministry, because I know that God spoke to me in my prayer time of what that golden seed amount was praise God. And I'm not going to sit back after having heard from God and tell you what God said so that you can be blessed and just sit back and, uh, and not jump on that blessing myself. Why? Because these are kingdom opportunities for your own personal enlargement. But you have to understand it is the tithe though, that secures your destiny. Mm -mm. Now, having said that, and uh, having looked at the eternal word, let us now practice the covenant by bringing the tithe and also sowing seed. Praise God. Now, if you prefer to mail in your tithe and your special offerings, you can send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box, 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654. Now, if you want to bring the tithe, or special offering in online. You can do so from anywhere in the world. And you can do it anytime, day or night. It is highly encrypted, very secure, and very simple to do. Go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There on the homepage is a link that has a red heart that says give. You can go there. You can bring your tithe in right there. And if you uh, want to do something above the tithe and want to uh, sow a special offering, as many are sowing into the various projects because they see it as an opportunity for their lifting at the furtherance of the kingdom Then you can click on that orange banner that says projects, and you can see what we're working on right now. Praise God. So lift your hands, Father. I thank you for all of your precious people that are covenant practitioners. I thank you that you're taking them to the top, that you are making them signs and wonders financially in the earth, and you are performing your word because the covenant works and prevails over all earthly conditions. Now, Father, we thank you. Bless your people in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for your faithful giving. God bless you. Now, let's jump into today's message, which is found in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 13. 2 Corinthians, chapter 13. Today, we can touch along these areas of What do you do from the point of when you sow your seed and reap your harvest? What do you do when you believe God with all of your heart and you have prayed and you've, as we say in the sports realm, you've left it all on the field. In other words, you put your whole heart into it. What do you do in these interim periods? I want to talk today about the subject of your rest is here. Praise God. This is really going to soothe the spirits of many people that will hear today's message. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we're going into your word, we thank you that your word is loaded with liberty, that any any vestige of anxiety that would be on your people comes off today and is replaced with complete tranquility and peace. Now, Father, we give you praise Thank you. Let your Holy spirit flow in Jesus Then We pray. We all say amen today. We're in second Corinthians chapter 13. Let's examine verse five as we examine ourselves as the scripture says to do verse five, examine yourselves kind of like you can take a test and there's an examination. You can also take a personal faith test. So this is a, uh, litmus test area where you can find certain proofs examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. So there are indicators. There are absolute proofs of things that you can look for when you really are truly in the faith. We're going to talk about one today. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith test yourselves. Okay. Here's a big one. One of the great External evidences of faith is what is simply called rest. Any, any uneasiness, any uh, tension, any uh, bit of jitters, what's God going to do? Any bit of that stuff. Now, of course, it might not be as extreme as a goofy example of all of that. Okay. Right. But any of this like uh, uneasiness, okay. That is a sign of unbelief. Praise God. One of the great external evidences of faith is called rest. And we want to find that in our lives. And when faith is functioning and flowing as it should, that rest, that deep calmness will be there in your heart. And it will, it will actually touch your soul, your emotions. It will even touch your physical body in a very soothing effect. Praise God. Now, being at rest is a proof that faith is working. This should be very exciting for many of you. Let's take a look at one of the most amazing examples of how this works in the book of Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, I love this story. Here we have Peter in a very uh, sticky situation. Have you ever been in a sticky situation before? And it doesn't look good for him. And I know that there's probably uh, a lot of people, if they were in the situation, they maybe would be reacting differently. But let's examine this. Verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but a constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. That's good. Let's jump in there and pray, 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 pray. Hallelujah. As they say, pray up a storm or pray down a storm. Okay. Let's pray. Let's do our part. Leave it all on the field, as they say. That is important. And when Herod was about to bring him out, well, he's not going to bring him out for like a you know a little carnival show. He's going to bring him out to kill him. And they've already killed James, so the uh, the killing spree seems to be on. And that's what they're planning on doing with Peter. But it's going to it's not going to turn out turn out that way. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping. You may want to take your highlighter or pen and underline that. Don't ever forget that in your Bible. Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers. I have a feeling that the soldiers were probably pretty crude, probably used a lot of profanity, probably told a lot of jokes saying, well, Peter, your luck's run out now. We've got you. You're not getting out of this one tomorrow. Chop suey." You know they they were probably doing all of this crude stuff to him, and as far as you know, insulting him and things like that. But it was time to go to bed, so now they're all laid down. Two guards, uh, uh, you got you got excuse me, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards were before the door. Uh, they were keeping the prison. Woo! He was asleep. Wow! Now what is Peter doing in this situation? He is resting. If you examine the overall picture, he's resting in a personal promise that God gave to him one-on-one. And these promises of God, these very accurate prophecies or or just straight-on statements from God, they can so solidify your life that you can sail through a storm and just just uh, even, in a sense, enjoy the ride. It's not like the ride is enjoyable or you would want to repeat it, but you're not troubled by it. You know, I taught one time in uh, Oklahoma in a, a, a suburb of Tulsa, and when I was teaching in one of, uh, a church there, a very well-known church, there was a tornado alert. And then we found out later that the National Weather Service said that the tornado was actually over on the top of the church building and I was there, those there, it was an unforgettable night. It literally sounded like, uh, f- freight trains were circling the church and going around it at full speed with all the engines making as loud of a noise. It was a phenomenal sound. And there was such a piece on the pastor. And there was such a piece on me that in this scenario, we didn't stop the meeting. We just kept going. Now, that doesn't mean in every situation like that you should do that, but there was such a peace of God and a corporate faith amongst those that understood faith, and that worked really well, of course, when you're in the city of faith, right? <laughs> that that I just preached. I literally preached all the way through that tornado until to it blew itself out. And But something that was really also remarkable is that, there was a friend of ours that actually lived in Moravian Falls that happened to be in Tulsa at the same time. And she came to the meeting. She found out I was there and came to the meeting and uh, she drove to the meeting, got there a little bit late and, you know, went. you kind of went through the stuff with, as we did. And um, afterwards uh, she was asking about why all the police cars were out there on her way over here. I said, what do you mean? I said, that's, that's crazy. I said, because of all the tornado sirens going off and tornado alerts and, uh, but she had gotten so caught up in a spirit of praise, the Holy Spirit came on her on the way to the meeting. She got caught up and engulfed in praising God that she drove the whole way, didn't even notice the tornado when she came into the building, didn't even notice the police cars and sirens everywhere, just came in with such a total peace, so enraptured in God that she walked right through it. And I believe here in the life of Peter that. Sure, he knows what old Herod is up to. He knows what the guards are intending to do. He knows what they're snickering and laughing about. But he has something superior that they don't have. He is resting in a personal promise of God. His faith is demonstrated through a restful composure. His restful composure is further proven through physical sleep. Gone is that agitation in Peter to turn around and slap one of the guards and say, you watch what God will do for me, you know? And if you kill me, you wait till I get to the other side. I'll send fire down on you. No, (laughs) he doesn't have any of that in him anymore. He is very composed in his faith to the point where he's even physically sleeping in a very uh, unusual setting. Well, we do have to ask ourselves then what promise of God's word is He resting on because if you can get a word from God, it will create a supernatural rest in your life. Praise the Lord. We can find the answer to that promise in the gospel of John chapter 21. Let's take a look at it today. John 21. As we now go down to verse 18, Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Something kicked into Peter by the spirit of revelation as he's going through that prison experience and he's facing what would appear to be certain death. The very next morning, something was going through his spirit where he realized I'm not old yet. So I'm not going anywhere yet because Jesus told him when you are old, basically, this is how you're going to die. And he realizes while he's all chained up and Herod's smacking his chops, I'm going to kill him tomorrow. Peter realizes, uh, ain't nothing happening to me tomorrow because I'm not old yet. Mm-mm. By sunup, he's long gone. And by sunup, They're already planning on executing the guards that were watching him. I'm telling you, there is a resting in a genuine faith that helps you just to go through these things with peace while the enemy's expectations are turned to turmoil upon his own head. Say praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And I believe that God has personal promises for you too. continue to believe them with all of your heart. Mark chapter 9, verse 23, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Let's turn over there. Verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes now, as a living word, the Lord says that to you today. If you can believe, and that's, that's the challenge. I really do believe that you're convinced in your heart that you know that all things are possible, that God, God will do it for you. If you can just believe my friends, one of the great indicators that you really do believe is that you will be at rest. There is no situation under heaven that can resist the authority of faith. Jesus said it. If you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. So watch out for restfulness, excuse me, restlessness, anxiety, worry, concern, because these are a proof of our own unbelief. Praise God. Now, when we enter into our realm of faith, we enter into a very strange realm of rest. Mm. And there are some very unusual examples of this in the Bible. I think one that uh, speaks very clearly would be of the prophet Daniel. Let's take a look at his life today. Daniel chapter six, I would like for us to go down to verse 16. So the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now, picture how wrong this would be, uh, out of character this would be, if Daniel is standing there at the the edge where you're about to be thrown in, and Daniel says, "You're not going to get me in there. I'm going to put up a fight." Can you imagine Daniel? Going berserk like that. Can you imagine Daniel said, well, I'll tell you one thing. I didn't do anything wrong. If you going to throw me in there, boy, there's going to be some cussing and some hitting. No, he just stands there. They push him. Do you see the, do you see the incredible composure? See, when you get out of faith, you, you lose that calm rest. And then the devil wants you to do things that are out of compa- composure that make you look silly that make you look silly. But my friends, I'm telling you stand in faith. And along with that faith will be a rest. No matter what you're facing. Even if it's something as wild as being thrown into a den of lions. Now we've heard the story so many times that it seems almost kind of like a romanticized thing, but no, these, these lions would, they would literally devour you by the time you'd even hit the floor. You would, you, in other words, you wouldn't even have time to hit the floor, maybe a foot or leg. Everything else is already getting eaten very, very cruel, what people have done with animals over the years, but nevertheless, my friends, that was a very physically frightening situation in the natural, and he just standing there, you know, uh, not snickering, you know, I'll get you back when I get on the other side, you know, none of that, just, just stands there, knows he's innocent, and they push him in, wow, but they pushed him in, composed, they pushed him in as he was in a very restful uh, place. He didn't suddenly pull around and open up his robe and, and pull out a big dagger. Should I put up a fight? I'm not going that easy. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. If he would have done that automatically, people would have said, "Yeah, there's probably something wrong with him." Yeah, he's he's going against true authority. Yet we know there must have been something. Yet we can see it. Look at that crazy behavior. But no, none of that. A, a complete restfulness, knowing that his faith is completely in God. And you know, the story's not over with yet. Praise the Lord. Verse 21. Then Daniel said to the king, this is the next day. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O King, I have done no wrong before you make me see, make sure he slips that in there and the King knows it. He just got caught. He got, it's like playing high level chess. He got, uh, he got beat by the corrupt group that were trying to trap him and they, they did trapped him. He knew that, but, but nevertheless, It's a new day for Daniel, and things are about to change dramatically. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury, whatever, was found on him. See, even when they pushed him in and he fell, who knows, maybe 20 feet, because lions can jump (laughs) pretty high. And not only can they jump, but they they can leap and then grab and push off even higher. So that was probably quite a fall, But the angel somehow buffered that fall, uh, closed the mouths of the lions, and uh, Daniel had a very interesting night, one that we're st- still talking about thousands of years later. But notice the restfulness in his life. No screaming. Can you imagine how ludicrous it would be that they pushed Daniel in there, they closed the lid, and the king and the others are on top, and they hear screams, ah! And it's Daniel, get me out of here. Ah, I'm afraid. Look, he would have lost that that weight of respect. He would have lost that area of dignity. My friends, when real faith is working, there is a rest that you walk in. Mm -hmm. Daniel had it. Daniel had it. Goes down there and just hangs out. No bawling, no squalling, no kicking, no cussing, none of that just hangs out because he knows God's going to get him out. And he was brought out and the wicked ones that plotted to get him in there, they were the ones that were thrown in. By the way, let's finish verse 23. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury was whatever was found on him because Oh, because of luck and chance. Pastor Stephen, he fell where the sand was at. And when he fell on the sand, that smothered the the force of the fall. And then the lions, they were just really not really hungry that night. No, no, no. Anybody else and the others are about to go in. They got devoured while they're still coming down. The lions are just, they're consuming them. No, no injury, whatever was found on him because, He believed in his God. He believed in his God. He believed God's getting me out of this. This is not my portion. I'm not, I'm not, you know, God didn't design me to be a snack for an animal. Praise the Lord. God didn't call me to be a martyr. Now, if somebody has received a word there to be a martyr, there's special rewards associated with that. But Daniel's like, I'm going to be a living martyr. I'm laying my life down in the service of the most high God. And I'm called to serve that King and stand by his side and speak wisdom and counsel to him. I'm not called to be a snack for an animal. Mm-mm. Because he believed in his God. There is no situation under heaven that can resist the authority of faith, your belief in God. Praise God. But it's always marked. It's always true. Faith is always going to be marked with a deep restfulness. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Let's look at another story of Daniel's uh, compatriots. Daniel. This will be chapter three. And I would like for us to go to verse 16 as well. Daniel 3, let's go down to verse 16. Very similar situation. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, which they're being threatened to be thrown into, you know, the fiery furnace. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Now, I want you to understand that while they were being very firm in their faith they're not being insulting. Please remember that. Should you ever have to talk to or deal with leaders who may be corrupt leaders who may be wicked, you still have to understand they are in a position. You may not like the man, but they are standing in a position. And so in this situation here, they're not saying, well, we don't even really acknowledge you as the King. Cause you're so wicked. You throw, you throw innocent people into a fiery furnace. No, they said, Oh, King, look, we understand what it is you're wanting to do. We're not going along with that. But do you see the respect? I've read testimonies of the early martyrs in the first century. Second century and even within the third century, I have read their testimonies as they have have stood before Roman officials and various provinces of Rome that are you know spread out over the different surrounding conquered nations of Christians that were uh, captured and told you know reject Christ uh, and and live or continue your belief and die, and I've read the responses of many in my studies of church history. And consistently across the board, you see them saying, I will not renounce Jesus. He is my king. He's my God. He died for my sins, died to save me. But they speak very respectfully to the authority they're talking to. Praise God. And there's no belittling here. There's no uh, mocking or sneering at, you know, well, you know, if we ever get out of this furnace, we're coming after you. No, none of that. You have to let God be your defense. See real faith, real faith just carries that restfulness always with you. And they basically are even saying, Hey, God's going to deliver us one way or the other. I mean, if we're burned up, we're, we're gone. (laughs) We're out of this world. We're out of this life. And so you can't do us any more harm. So uh, one way or the other King, God's going to deliver us. Now, the way that God chose to deliver them, uh, Uh, would appear to be, you know, the preferred method where there is supernatural protection. The flames of the fire do not hurt them. And even, this is remarkable, even after they come out, they don't even smell like smoke. I believe that God's deliverances can be so thorough and effective that no matter what form of sin that you got tangled up in, let's say it's, it's drugs, and you were perhaps uh, thick in the drug culture and used all kinds of drugs, took all kinds of drugs, maybe even gave away drugs or sold drugs or whatever it might be. God can so deliver you and bring you out of that, that you don't have any vestige of that on you anymore. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you know, you no longer dress like a drug dealer. Okay. If, If there is a certain look or image, I'm just saying it's off of you completely. People could never guess. I've, I've had people ministers look at me and say, I can, I could, I could never have guessed, Pastor Stephen, that you have been through some of the experiences that you have been through. I never would have guessed that from you. Why? God removed all of the smell of the smoke, a complete and total deliverance. Praise God. Praise God. The Lord is good forever. Thank you, Jesus. But my friends, God wants you to have rest in your lives. He's going to bring the promise the pass. And what He told you to do, He will do. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Pastor Stephen, between sowing and reaping, what should I do? Stay in faith. And faith also has action. But faith also has a restfulness. There is the element where there are some things only God can do. And you have to leave that part to God. And you have to rest in that. You know, recently I have been praying about several things and getting up early and praying, spending time with God, giving God extra time in prayer. And God has been answering some of these requests in ways that are so supernatural that are, that are literally so miraculous that I couldn't have even have made it up. The way that God is doing certain things. So we understand whether it's my life or your life, that there is a zone that's the God zone where God, he's able to do things that only he can do. And so while we're going to use our faith and we're going to understand that faith has works and we're going to pray. There's also that element of resting because there are things that only God can do. And that's the part you rest in knowing that God will do his part. And you carry that rest around with you and you pray. You do leave it all on the field in the sense where you give God your very best. You pray with all of your heart until you have poured it completely out. You stand on the word. You, you plead your case. What does it mean to plead your case? We're told in the book of Isaiah, where God speaks to his people and says, come now, let us us plead together. To plead doesn't just mean to talk. Plead is a courtroom type usage of a word where you are trying to sway the judge in your favor. You're not just talking. You're talking from an angle of this God, this, oh God, is why you should do this for me. Lord, these are all of the reasons it would bring you glory. Lord, these are all of the reasons it would have a repercussion of being a blessing to others. What are you doing? You're not just asking for something. You are pleading your case. Woo! And so we're told in Scripture that we are to plead our case. So you want to plead your case. You want to pour it all out. Pray. Pray. Pray, spend time with God, plead your case concerning that thing. And when you do that, what prevails? What is, what is now floating in the air? Arrest. rest, a restfulness. I'm doing all I can do. God will do what only he can do. Let me tell you, he will, he can do things that you never, if you lived on this planet for a million physical years. You never could have figured it out. You never could have done it like that. It was beyond anything that you could have uh, tried to have walked out. And it's better because it's God's way. Mm -mm. By the way, God says, let us plead together. So you can plead your case, but God also, uh, he will plead back or he will respond back. And sometimes if we're wanting to go in a direction that God knows is not best, he will respond back and plead and say, look, I know you want to do that, but this is what you're not seeing. This is what you're not understanding. Mm." And then sometimes to back that up and reinforce that, then God will send people into your life that will speak and say things to confirm what he, he has been revealing to you in your secret prayer time. Mm. So often the spirit of counsel can be, not so much just the Holy spirit coming and sharing things with you, but the spirit of counsel resting up on someone who just starts talking about something. Maybe even to them, it's like out of the blue, they just start talking about something and you're thinking that's the exact answer I've been needing. That's what I thought God was trying to get across to me. What is that? The spirit of counsel. Why? So that you can go in the right direction and God's directions are always very peaceful Let me say this. If you're ever trying to move forward in something and there's no favor, there's absolutely no favor. I would like to say that God is not going to be in that project. God's not going to be in that path. When, when the Lord is in it, there is peace. There is a rest. There's also favor there there might not be. uh, How can I say, you know, like an, an overextension of favor. We still have to do Uh, our part, so to speak, but there is something very, very favorable that will be there in that mix. And then you move forward with that. Praise God. Yes, we are in a season of answered prayers. We are in a time right now where the Lord is granting hearts desires, but my friends, let us continue to stay in faith and let us also rest in the Lord. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Give God your very, very best, but enjoy the journey. Enjoy the ride. Yes, you're going to get to the destination, but the ride should also be a very pleasant experience. And really the only way that you can enjoy it is to rest, not to be anxious about, hurry up, hurry up. We've got to get there. No, you will get there. Uh, God's going to do this, but let's stay in faith, but let's also enjoy the journey. Praise God. Lift your hands. Father, I pray that the composure of Daniel rest upon those that are watching and listening today. I pray, Father, that the composure and restfulness of Peter touch your people today. There are some that are watching right now. Father, I sense at least two or three that have not slept a good night in years. And Father, it's because of high anxiety Yet they love you, they're born again, yet there is a persisting anxiety that even disturbs their sleep. Father, let that come off of them now. Thank you, Father God. And let them also now have their faith come into fullness, which is always evidenced by a supernatural proof of rest. Now, I thank you, Father God. There are many that are watching today that know they're headed towards the Psalm 66, their personal wealthy place. Psalm 66, I believe that's right around uh, verses 8 through 12. But you're thinking, when will I get there? Be assured, God will get you there. Praise God. And on the journey, you rest in that. Praise God. You already know. God's termed it. Now walk it out with the Lord and enjoy the journey. Praise God. Father, let blessing come up on your people today. Let the peaceful rest of your spirit beyond them. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Someone's watching. You're having an absence of rest. You're actually troubled because you're trying to go this route and God's blocking it because he loves you and he knows that's not his best for you and if you go that route it could still get you towards where you're wanting to go but it's going to it's going to drain your energy it's going to drain your finances it's going to uh it's going to cause more uh, difficulties because that that creates problems and, and god's got a smoother way for you to get there Hmm. So when you're, you're, you're experiencing that restlessness in that area, you're trying to go into something, move back, move back, recalibrate, re- uh, repray, rethink, get the heart of God. You're going towards the right finish line, but you're trying to go down the wrong lane. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And there's a, there's a group watching. You're going to see that. There's a group of individuals watching right now. You're going to see that is your situation. And God's going to show you the other one that you've missed, the other lane. And you, when you find it, it's going to be like a breath of fresh air. And it's so close, you're going to catch the revelation in one day. Praise God. Praise God. I prophesy over you that within 24 hours, you will catch that proper lane that you're supposed to be moving in. And that's the one you can run full speed. And that's the one, by the way, that God will bless. Hallelujah. 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 Now, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the fruit of faith, the evidence of faith. We focus today on rest. We thank you in Jesus' name. Say, I receive. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm picturing Jesus sleeping uh, in the boat right now, back there sleeping in the midst of a storm. Faith at work, faith demonstrated for us to see. Now, if you're watching today's program and you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, true rest, knowing that your life is right with God, that you're heaven bound, can only come by having Christ living within your heart. If you would like to give your life to Jesus today, don't delay another moment. Ask him to come into your heart now. I would like to lead you in this prayer. Just pray this from your heart. Pray it after me. Pray it to the Lord. Say, Jesus, I am a sinner, but I turn from my sin. Come into my life. Save me from my sin. Wash all my sin away with your precious blood. Jesus, write my name. In your book of life. And Jesus, step into my life today and lead me and guide me from this moment forward. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Welcome to the family of God, those of you that have just prayed that prayer. Now, as a church family and as a body of believers, as Christians, let's take Holy Communion together. I want to encourage you today. Grab some unleavened bread, grab some grape juice, and we are just rejoicing because the rest that God has for us is here. What a peaceful thing. What a beautiful thing that you could even be chained up like Peter and still have rest, still go to sleep, not popping pills, Mm-mm. not rolling over and saying to the guard, Do you have any aspirin? I sure could use three of them right now. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread, the juice. We sanctify it and set it apart as holy through this prayer. And we thank you that this is the body and the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that it's veiled under the form of what would appear to be bread and juice. But we know it's the flesh and blood of Christ. Now, Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh I thank you father God for the important element of rest father. We even know in the natural scientists have understood that if we don't sleep, eventually we'll die. They don't understand why they just know that that's what will happen. Whether it's animals or humans, we can't live without sleep. So father, let there be the rest that's associated with the walk of faith that we can identify that, that we can sense it. And that is, that is an indicator We are in true faith. Thank you, Father, for rest. As we now receive the Lord's body, in his name we pray. We receive his rest. Amen. Let's partake together. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We ask that if we have committed any sins, we ask that you would forgive us, wash them all away, Father, through the blood of Christ, cleanse us from all unrighteousness through the blood of Christ. We thank you, Father God, that our lives are right with you and we are on the way to heaven. We can rest knowing that our eternity is secured and we know exactly where we're going. Oh, God, we thank you today for this rest. We thank you in a sense that Jesus is our rest. We have entered into him. And we thank you, Father. There's also an element of where even Paul said in the book of Hebrews, we have to work to get into that rest. And that is the work of faith. Faith has works. So we thank you, Father God, though, for that presence of rest, a restful presence in our lives As we keep moving forward in faith, rejoicing all along the way, father, we call it done. And we thank you that all things are possible to him who believes we believe your word and it shall be just as you said in Jesus name. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's precious blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I sense that rest, resting upon you. Praise God. Praise God. Glory to God. Glory to the Lord. Just lift your hands because the presence of the Lord is here. Father, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We thank you for the miracles that you're doing. We thank you that you're a good God. Thank you, Father God, that your spirit is with us. We give you praise. Thank you, Father God. It is the time where you are favoring Zion. It is the time for the church to move forward. We thank you, Father God. We thank you that the kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdoms of our God. We thank you that you're moving in a mighty way, and the church is rising, rising to a place of prominence and dominance within the earth. And we thank you that we are the church, the body of Christ. Father, receive your glory through your son, Jesus. In his name we pray, amen and amen. You are blessed today. Continue to use your faith and watch the miracles that God will do in your life. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.